I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally. And you are listening to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I have my amazing husband here of almost five years. Josiah, for the listener who maybe just be tuning in the first time, their very first Monday, how can they get more involved and what do they have to look forward to? Oh my gosh, there is a lot to look forward to in life, in leadership. Um, Maybe you're feeling down. I just want to say that we believe that with God, you can look up to the hills. He is where your help comes from. So you have a lot to look forward to in life. And then you're in for a treat. Thanks for Mm -hmm. tuning in, for subscribing, streaming, rating, reviewing, um, sharing this podcast with other leaders. We are joined today by a special guest. Her name is Scarlett Hittabidal, Hiltabidal. Second time you got it right. Good job. Got it. Good job. (laughs) How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. You guys are, you guys are newlyweds in my opinion. So cute. I'm so happy to be on your show. Um, thank you for having me. Everything's gone wrong in the technology preparation. This is for young leaders. And I'm like, I feel like I'm 36, but I'm behaving like a 90 year old with, um, technology today, but here we are. That's something good. is going to happen because if there's any (laughs) resistance, that means some form of breakthrough is going to happen on our end through us, or maybe in the listener's ministry or leadership or whatever today. So I'm going to speak like over all the, the hiccups. How's that? That's right. And who's Amen. this podcast for today? We're talking to somebody who's a young adult mm-hmm. and you've been dealing with perfectionism. Today, we're talking to some young leaders who are listening and feeling like, well, us, like maybe even like Scarlett said, things aren't going perfect. There's been some <laughs> technical glitches behind the scenes. Guess what? We're human beings, not human doings. And Scarlett is the author of a brand new book. We have it here. You're the worst person in the world. If that title doesn't (laughs) catch your attention, we just did there. And Scarlett's the author of numerous books. She writes regularly in parent life. Mm -hmm. She reads truth, speaks and travels to women across the country um, and the globe to share about the freedom and rest that's available in Jesus. So today's topic is going to be making peace with your imperfections. And Scarlett, of course, is married to her husband in Southern California. She loves uh, signing with her three daughters, eating nachos by herself and writing for her friends. And uh, you study stand-up comedy. So we're going to have a lively conversation. (laughs) Am I right? I love it. That is so good. And Scarlett, just to kick it off, would you like to share your story with the audience today and kind of how your journey of life has unfolded as the years have gone on? Hmm, That's a big question. I could talk (laughs) for five hours. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, I guess a snapshot, I'll do the best I can. You guys just cut me off if I get, (laughs) if I get too long winded. Um, But I was born, uh, I was raised in a Christian home, but a very colorful and unusual upbringing. I can say in hindsight, um, I'm the daughter of an actress and um, my biological dad was a magician fire eater. And then my adoptive dad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My adoptive dad was on the SWAT team. I moved from LA to New York to Miami by the time I was six years old. And I kind of grew up Miami and LA by coastal um, for my mom's acting jobs. And so um, 
it was crazy. And I was also being taught Jesus is the hope of the world from mm. day one. And also like traveling around the country with my mom sitting in the wings of stand-up comedy clubs. It's so funny. Like as you grow up, you're like, oh, maybe I watch stand-up comedy all the time because I grew up in comedy. It's like, I didn't, <laughs> that didn't even click for me until like last year. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, if you need a list of stand-up comedians, I could give them to you like clean, good, funny people. Amazing. Um, yeah. So I grew up in all over the place and I was always just kind of grasping at security. I was very panicked, anxious kid. Um, and my first book is called afraid of all the things. And that's kind of my memoir testimony where I talk about, um, how God helped me go from being afraid of everything, but also having this underlying spiritual anxiety of like, am I getting my faith right? Um, mm -hmm. cause I became a Christian when I was 14. Um, kind of freedom from that freedom, meaning learning to fight it because I'm still a human in this broken world who gets zoom call invitations wrong. You know? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, this book, um, is more about that perfectionistic thing that kind of went with my anxiety, which was, um, man, in a nutshell, I would say I became a Christian and I knew the gospel, which is what we know. The gospel is God is holy and I'm a sinner. And I, because of his holiness, I couldn't have access to him and I needed Jesus and his perfection to, um, you know, I needed him to pay the price for my sin so I could have access to this holy God and friendship with him. And I could say that to you as a 14 year old, it would roll off my tongue, but I lived like the opposite of my faith. I lived like it was up to me to be perfect and to do faith perfectly and relationships perfectly. And, you know, it was exhausting. Um, and you know, I, I would see people who, you know, preached grace and maybe swung to the other end of like, well, you know, what Paul warns against, which is like saying, because Jesus died, does this mean we should go on sinning because grace abounds by no means? So I was just very confused about it all. And um, I'll let you guys talk, but there's more to the story. There's more, you know, there were people that God placed in my path um, that helped me understand how the gospel is for every day and how joy and peace are something I can have today and not just hopefully someday, you know? my gosh that's amazing mm -hmm. yeah i think that's so good i think <laughs> like you've already touched base on some like aspects of just your story i think that's in a lot of young women i'm um, just trying to discover like i know of christ and i know about him it's like that head-to-heart knowledge is not yes. connecting fully and that perfectionism of what i see through tabloids and magazines and social media like just the outward um, expression of perfectionism, I think is something that the world is up against, but it's the inward perfection of playing the part or doing the part, saying the right thing, and just realizing that we don't need to be put together to walk into relationship with Jesus. We don't need to be put together to walk into the, uh, the church doors. And I think that is a tension that a lot of, at least young adult women that I've come across, they're, they're constantly dealing with, and they're trying to uncover and discover or maybe rediscover who Christ is to them in that process of identifying what is the hurt hurdle or hang up that is preventing me to live the best life that God has for me. And we know that you came out with this book. It's called, you are the worst person in the world. And the worst person is kind of crossed out. If you have, don't have the title looked at, or if you're not looking at the title. So we know that, um, for the listener today, just say, what do you have to say? I would just love to know you know, Scarlett, from you, um, what caused you to write this book? 
in mm. such a time as this? And what's your hope for the person tuning into this podcast today? Man, you know, um, Micah, listening to you talk, I was thinking what you said is so true. And, you know, my hope is that when people read it, they see that humility and, you know, it's so hard to, to pursue humility, honestly, because as soon as you notice, oh, I'm humble, then you're already not humble anymore. Um, and I used to think humility and poor in spirit and all that meant like being down on yourself. And, you know, we see the pendulum of like people who are listening to the culture saying, you got this, everything you have is within you, do it, be strong. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're trying and failing. And it's just a never ending um, cycle of striving and seeing that you don't cut it or feeling like you did cut it, but that's false. And then you are, you're like cocky or there's the, I'm a mess. I'm imperfect. Come on in. And if you take that too far, then you're still making it all about you. Mm -hmm. And you're still like almost having pride in your imperfections. And I feel like I've done that before where I've been like, oh, grace, you know, I've swung on the, from the trying to be perfect to the, oh, there's grace. Like, yeah, come on in this. I'm a mess, you know? And either way we are <laughs> trying to get worship for ourselves. We don't even see it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I think about Satan and like, he wanted to be glorified and we can read about that in the Bible. We can look at it and be like, oh, well, I don't want that. But we really do. If we're, if we're pursuing the approval of the people around us, or even if we're pursuing the approval of God by our works, then right. we're doing it wrong. You know? Right. Um, right. So yeah, I wrote the book because I have, man, I grew up like just longing for joy and peace. Like, isn't that what we all want so badly? Um, and I wanted it so bad and it always felt impossible to hold on to. And so um, realizing what humility really means and that it means that it's just having this view of this high view of God, like God is big and holy and I am small and weak. And my whole life is not about, you know, making your listeners think she was great. You know, like that's not what I'm about, what I'm supposed to be about. My life is supposed to be about pointing people upward to the one who is good and perfect. Okay. And just realizing that that's what the gospel can do for my everyday life is what changed everything and gave me something to say. Like I, I always wanted to be, I write about this in the new book too. I wanted to be a, an author. I was like, if I can write books, like that's going to be, and it was an idol when I was younger. And when I was in my twenties, even when I was trying to write about Jesus, like it was, you know, it was about me. And then I failed a ton and that's a whole other story. But when I realized what I'm trying to tell you and tell people that pursuing anything for our own glory is going to fail us and right. make us miserable. When I learned that it was like, oh, I, you know, then I just started sharing about it as, you know, in the way that I love, which is writing. And so I'm really grateful that the Lord allowed it to happen after I had been, <laughs> after I had tried and failed at pursuing it for my own glory. Um, and of course there's always like, are our motives ever pure? Probably not. Our righteousness is filthy rags. It says in Isaiah, right. but, um, just getting to that spot of like peace with knowing, like I said, we are weak and he's strong. And as long as we every day are in his word and not just reading it, but obeying it and, and experiencing that joy of what it is to walk with him, then he's going to make us more and more like him. And so I hope in 10 years, I'll be like, I won't look at my sin of today and be like, oh, I hope I'll look at it and be like, Jesus, thank you for making me more like you than I was 10 years ago, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. That's my that's, hope. Oh, that's spot on. And and talking to you is actually mm -hmm. a breath of fresh air. 
Uh, it's fun. It's lively. It's enjoyable. And this message is timely. Like I came across this and um, just it, it captivated my attention, which is why we pursued the invite. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think by 10 years old, I had already had three years of debilitating tension headaches. Mm -hmm. And after going to a lot of doctors, having CAT scans, MRIs, Mm -hmm. stress tests, um, trying to have blood work done, all of it, um, what we found out was perfectionism Mm -hmm. was at the root of it. Tension, anxiety, tension, um, performance orientation, needing to be seen in a positive light at eight nine, 10. I mean, we're talking, I was young, fifth Mm -hmm. grade through eighth grade, debilitating tension headaches. And, uh, I just look at, there was a moment where I was in a chiropractor's office and I had the snap crackle pop and (laughs) I was just feeling good. They put the electrodes on to let the adjustment set in. And I woke up and, um, prayed and I had this exchange with God where I said, God, I will let go and I'll set down Mm -hmm. perfectionism if you'll take my headaches. And uh, since that day, Scarlett, I can't think of another day where I picked up, you know, like I I have my shortcomings and stuff, but I haven't had tension headaches since. Wow. And so (laughs) I look at- That's amazing. Amen. So I look at this topic means something to me because I've felt the pain Mm. of how debilitating perfectionism can be. Mm. And some people have had their own story of maybe even worse pain than I have had but I know that it's real. And so I remember hearing Dr. John Piper talk about that. They asked him this question, Hey, you've put out 1500 episodes of the Ask Pastor John podcast. You've written like 70 books, preached thousands of sermons. How have you done it? And he gave seven tips. And the only one that I remember of all of them, he said, make peace with imperfection. So like, why did I want to title today's conversation with you making peace with imperfection is I think a lot of us are naturally bent towards control Mm -hmm. and towards perfectionism. And I just love to hear your thoughts on like, why do you think we wrestle with perfectionism and Mm -hmm. how have you found freedom? Wow. Well, mm-hmm. praise God for that testimony. And if you, if you ever pick up my first book, my first chapter is called my hypochondriac collapse in aisle six. And it's about when I was five years old and I was hospitalized. I'm so with you because I was hospitalized because I was convinced my appendix was rupturing and doctors all over. Cause I was always moving. were like, you have a nervous stomach, anxiety, stress. It is absolutely can be physical. Like it is so mm-hmm. hard. Even today, when I fight anxiety, it's usually physical in some way, but, um, yeah, John Piper, I quote him all over this book. I love the Piper family, Barnabas Piper. I think in one chapter, I quote both of them in the same chapter. Um, but okay, wait, now I'm losing track of your question. You said, what what was the last thing? Why do you, why do you think so many of us wrestle with perfectionism and like, have you found freedom or how have you found freedom? I think we wrestle. Thank you for the refresher. Mm -hmm. I think we wrestle with it because. We are wired to, we're made in God's image. We want to be loved and we want to be approved. And the thing is we can, we are, we can be, we have access to God because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. But I think it's hard for a lot of people, especially when they're just first start one, if they don't have faith in Jesus and two, if they're just starting out in their faith, like I was when I was 14, 15, all the way to what, 25 or something, 24. Um, I think it's just easy to think of Jesus as this ethereal, abstract, 
-hmm. thing you can't see or hear. And so it's like, you know, that testimony that you just gave Josiah, like, did I say your name right? (laughs) Okay, good. Um, the testimony you just gave is like, when you have those experiences with God, it's like, nobody can take that away from you. And I have mine. Nobody can take that away from me. You know, faith, we have these experiences, um, that build our faith. But I think that everybody experiences dry seasons and seasons when, you know, not because God's far away, but because we have hearts that are prone to wander. We feel far from God for whatever reason. And it can feel like we are just longing to feel that wholeness and peace and joy. And so we reach out to things that'll give us that temporary feeling. You know, I think that the reason is just because we were made to be living abundant lives, knowing that we're loved. You know, I think of Adam and Eve in the garden before sin entered the picture and they were friends with God and they were doing work and they were happy and free. And that's how we were made to be, you know, death and brokenness and sin. It, it was not part of the original plant creation. And so, um, we reach for things that'll make us feel a tinge of that wholeness and rest, um, which we can only feel with, uh, experiencing God in relationship with Jesus. So I think, yeah, even, I think even if you're not a perfect, I think you're right. A lot of us are like, strive for control, but even people who would say they don't, they're doing it in some way, (laughs) you know, they're Mm -hmm. trying to be the best at something, even if it's the best disheveled, whatever, you know, the most relatable down to earth, whatever. We're all trying to be something that we can make peace with, you know? So I think that's, I think it's just how we were made. Yeah. Well, the amazing thing is that we can recognize that we can find whatever we're wrestling with. We can find freedom when it comes to Jesus and he can do the healing and make us whole. And we can experience that daily, but it's an opportunity and it's a almost like an honor, but we have to learn how to die to self daily, right? Just learn how to die to self and our own dreams and desires and control issues. I know that many people who don't have control over one area of their life will overcompensate in another, whether it's with food or with friends or with schoolwork, they're, they're striving to, or towards something that they're longing to obtain because we want to be seen. All of us want to be seen in a positive light. And you had already alluded to it. Like we are designed and created to love and to be loved essentially. And many of us, uh, I say us because I think we can all relate on some levels um, from the listener to one of our stories that we we're all striving in some way, shape and form, like you had said. But the amazing thing is that we forget to recognize we're never going to arrive. Right. What are, what are we striving for? Where are we running to? It's like, well, the race is still going. Even when we get to heaven, like eternity is forever, you know, so <laughs> just trying to even wrap your mind around that in a worldly brain is impossible. So Um, Scarlett, we know that part of your message also in regards to freedom is finding the daily gospel, um, the gospel happy, the gospel happy freedom, regardless of our situations or our circumstances. Can you share for a minute about this? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like for you specifically? Yeah. Um, You know, I think about my grandma Marlene. She is worshiping Jesus in heaven now, which is crazy. Um, Yeah. And sometimes I'm really sad because I miss her so much, but I'm just more certain of anything in my whole life that she's there and that she is just having the best time. She is someone, she helped raise me a lot when I was traveling all the time in my childhood. Sure. And she just always had this joy and peace. And it was like this striking thing. And I remember when I was little, I used to think, oh, grandma Marlene's happy all the time because she's old. She doesn't have to do homework. She's, you know, whatever. And um, 
as I got older and really got to see her life and her struggles and her, you know, entering widowhood, however you say that, um, when, when my grandpa died and, you know, aches and pains and health things and her friends dying and all these things, I realized like, oh, her joy and peace is not because of her circumstances, because I've seen her throughout all the circumstances. I mean, she had a, she had tons of pains and of course she had sadness. Of course she had seasons where she, you know, of course she wasn't a perfect person, but just her demeanor was strikingly different to me than what I saw in a lot of the world. And, um, you know, she would sing hymns all the time and tell me about Jesus and tell me about how, when she was 10, she learns to have a relationship with him. And, you know, I just look back at her life and I I think of this one time I was with her in her living room and we were all praying together, which wasn't a normal, it was just kind of like we somehow in that moment wound up holding hands in her living room, praying. We all went around. And at this point she was like widow, lived alone, um, saw the mailman a couple times a week the doctor a couple times a month and sometimes couldn't even get to church. Like she was at that stage of life. And, um, I just remember her praying some things and then saying, um, God help us to have joy and peace because that's our testimony. And that struck me so powerfully because I thought grandma Marlene's praying that when she sees the mailman, when she walks to her mailbox, that (laughs) the joy and peace will be a reflection of what she, you know, and she shared the gospel She shared the gospel with her actions, with her words, her whole life. But I realized as I got older that that joy and peace, you can, like we've talked about this whole time, you can only have it when you are experiencing God, when you are in his word, when you're being a doer, not just a hearer. And, you know, old me, perfectionist me would look at verses like that. And I think it's James and be like, oh, I better do, I better do more for God to be happy with me. I hope that I'm going to heaven, you know? Um, but no, it's, and this is all over the Bible too, but it's when we know God and experience his love, it's, he makes us more like him. We can't help, but to find joy in serving him. And I think that it's a hard thing to kind of cross over and be like, okay, God, I'm going to obey, even though this thing is scary, or I feel like you're calling me to have this conversation or love this person or step into this thing. But I think it's going to ruin my life because it sounds really whatever. And then we do it. We do the thing scared and we realize, oh, he's, it's true. (laughs) Like he really does overwhelm us with the blessing of his presence and his provision and peace. And so, you know, it's just, I don't know. I I'm a human being. So if I turn my eyes away from that reality for one day, I'm once again, you know, striving to find comfort in TikTok videos of people getting their hair highlighted or (laughs) stupid or nachos, you know, whatever, all these little comforts that don't really comfort us. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I learned from grandma Marlene and so many other heroes of the faith that I've gotten to walk alongside is just that if we are faithful to just open his word, which is such a gift. It's not an obligation. It's not a thing you better do today, or he's going to be mad at you. It's this gift of getting to know him and communicate with him and see what he's like and learn about him um, and hide his word in your heart. You know, when we do that, he, it changes our lives and um, makes us into people like grandma Marlene, who are people that can walk to their mailbox. And you're just like, huh, what, what is different about her? She is, you know, going through this tragedy or this heartache. And yet she seems like she has hope that this isn't 
the end of the world, you know? Right. And that leads to conversations. So anyway. So good. I want to hit, you know, whatever age God allows me to, and I want to finish strong and I still want to be fired up for Jesus. And I want to have a joy that's contagious and infectious. And I don't want to feel just a weight of the world that's on my shoulders that my body was never meant to carry or designed to hold on to. And so I'm, I'm really curious about your messaging because, you know, we work with a lot of young adults, maybe ages 18 to 30. And those who lead them, maybe they're on a college campus in a local church or in their community. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a timely message for our generation that just came out of a pandemic and uh, everything's been turned upside down. And we've realized as a globe, how little is in our control. Yes. (laughs) And so I'd be curious to say, you know, for a young leader, how could they maybe find some encouragement today if they feel like they don't have it all together or that they're not good enough, or, or they're believing the lie from the enemy that they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like your message is one that's so encouraging and so needed, but I would just be curious, like, how can we apply this as young leaders? Yeah, that's great. You know, I think back to my twenties and it was so much harder than, and I hear a lot of people say this, are you guys in your twenties? You look so young. I'm 35, 35. Okay. So you get it. You know, when you step, I feel like when you step into your thirties, you kind of like, Oh, you kind of make peace with a lot of things about yourself and your life. Um, so part of that just comes with age, but I think that if you're a young leader listening to this younger than 30, um, you can just like, see, it's hard to believe when you haven't experienced yet, but I would say, um, you know, if you look at the people in the Bible, this is something that was huge for me. I used to, you know, I grew up in the faith in Christian faith. And so I would hear about David slaying Goliath and I would hear about all these, um, heroes in the Bible. And I didn't really read the Bible though. I would just kind of like (laughs) go to church and read the coffee mug verses. And I didn't read the verses around the verses, you know what I mean? And so it wasn't until I like really started enjoying and appreciating the Bible as a whole that I realized like David was a horrible person. Everybody in the Bible was a horrible person, (laughs) um, that God used in huge ways. And of course they had these great moments of faith and of, you know, trusting the Lord, but also they had huge failures. And so, you know, there's comfort in the Bible there. You know, if you, if you feel like you're a young leader and you feel like you're not enough, like, yeah, you're not enough, you know, just embracing that and being like, neither was Moses, neither was anyone else that God called to do a huge thing, kingdom thing. None of us are equipped. Um, and you know, just waking up every day and remembering that, like that is, you know, Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. Us saying, I'm not enough. God, I need you. Like that is all we need, you know? Yes. And I think it's hard to do that because that's like, it's the simplest thing that my seven-year-old can get it. But it's also for those of us who overthink and strive and want control. It's hard because we're like, okay, but what's the formula? Like, how do I actually, what's yes. the A, B, A plus B equals whatever. Um, and I think it is just boils down to open your Bible every day, just open it. And when God says, confess your sins to one another, 
do it, you know, <laughs> do mm-hmm. it. And, and God's going to, no matter what age you are, God is going to use the Christian life, which he showed us how to do in his word. He's going to use people and experiences and his word and church and all these things, the local church, which he invented. He's yeah. going to use all these things to show us just how ill-equipped we are and how that really is the best news in the world. And as he, as we are learning to walk in that way, um, we actually can, can have peace about, about everything because, you know, like I think about my parenting and, um, what really changed all this for me, as far as like how to actually have that, you know, quote, gospel, happy freedom thing. I, I was a new mom. I was a Christian. I was a pastor's wife. I was a Bible college graduate. I was a professional uh-huh. Christian air quotes, you know, <laughs> right. um, and I should have had it all together, but I was peak panic of my life. You know, I had this new baby and I just wanted to keep her alive and I just wanted to be a good mom. And I was in this circle of women, um, giving parenting advice at this pastor's wives retreat. And I'll never forget this lady just sharing five minutes of what her home looked like. And she said, you know, my goal is not to be the perfect mom or raise the perfect kids. My goal is to show my family to display the gospel in my home and to show my family that I'm weak and that I need Jesus every day. And so then she like laid out what that looked like. And she said, we apologize when we fail, when I fail my kids, when I'm mean, I say, I'm sorry. And then I say, this is what I do with my sin. And I pray a prayer of repentance in front of them. And here's the thing. I don't do that every day. Like I, I don't do this thing that Elizabeth said every day, but hearing her talk about it shifted my mind. It was like an earthquake in my heart. And I have chills almost every time I talk about it (laughs) because it was like, Oh, like the days that I win, you know, if you're a young leader, the days that you do a great, you know, you leave whatever God has called you to do right now. And you're like, man, that went awesome. Those days, if you are relying on your own strength, you're going to feel super cocky. (laughs) And then the days that something goes wrong, you are going to despair unless you realize, Oh, when, when I'm in these groups or leading these kids or whatever I'm doing in my life, if I have a win, it's because of the work of the Holy spirit. He made me, he, it's all him. Yep. Yep. If I fail, I have an opportunity still to give God glory and to say, praise God that I'm forgiven. I'm so sorry. I did this wrong just to be vulnerable and be real (laughs) with the people around you and say, I'm so sorry. Um, and repent and, you know, show them how to accept the forgiveness of Jesus. You don't have to walk around feeling weighed down by every failure because why did Jesus die on the cross Mm -hmm. for us to walk around like that? That's I'm studying the book of Galatians right now. And Paul says it, he's like, you know, Jesus died for nothing. If that's how we, if we believe anything other than the real gospel. So, um, that's the encouragement I would give is to just, I don't know, do that non-formula formula. formula. (laughs) I just gave you. Well, Scarlett, I'm so glad you went there because um, I think so many listeners, they are leaders and we can play the card of like, well, I'm not perfect, but that just is a lame excuse to disregard everything that took place. If we don't say, I'm sorry that I fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. I failed miserably because I was in my, doing, my own, doing it in my own strength and not the strength mm-hmm. of the Lord. And if you can identify the, your faults and share with the people around you, I just think that people can appreciate that. They can step into the fact that the leader or the person I'm listening to are coming alongside, they're authentic, they're real. And that's what many people want. They want to follow a real authentic leader, not striving um, for perfection or acting like they're perfect. Because when we strive 
for perfection and we think that we're perfect, pride is obviously blinding us. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to say, okay, as a leader, if I'm being, um, who am I leading? Am I, am I being led astray out of my own pride? And if I turn around, is there anybody actually following me? So I think they're like, there's these layers to what you're talking about is just self-identifying um, the things that God has placed inside of us. How are we stewarding them and who's getting the glory? Yes. Cause I think so many times you're like, oh yeah, pat me on the back. How did I do? How did I do? Yeah. And I've, I have personally found like when I feel like I have failed miserably, that's when I think when people come to me the most, like, oh my God, this spoke to me. And I was like, I felt <laughs> not prepared or I sounded like in my head, I was prepared, but the words I was speaking, are they actually touching any hearts? Is the Holy spirit yeah. using me? Like it's all these insecurities come out. And I'm just like, that's the point of every time I get on stage, I need to surrender Lord. Like Hmm. you need to show up because I've prepared, I've prayed, but if you need to continue to hollow me out from a stage, I would rather be off stage and be hollowed out than on stage in front of people humiliated. So I'm like, Lord, if there's anything in me, like search my heart, Oh Lord, like dig deep, remove any roots, replant, repot, resoil, replow till whatever you need to out of my heart, out of my marriage out of the ministry, out of, you know, my parenting, you know? So I think there's definitely those moments of parenting. I think, uh, somebody had said this to me they're like, Mike, if you want to be selfless, uh, get married, if you want to become more like Christ, have children. Mm-hmm. And Josiah was away for a 10 day Israel trip that he was on just recently. And it's kind of those moments where you're like, you're alone with two kids. All of a sudden they're both sick. They're not sleeping when one's up, the other one's up, it's just back and forth, like sleepless nights, you know? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I swear to God, I'm going to lose my salvation. Like you just feel like you're at wits and you're like, okay, Lord, Holy spirit. Like you've given me these children. They are a gift. Mm-hmm. Kind of even our leadership, God, you've given these, given me these people, mm-hmm. they're a gift. You've given me this role it's a gift. And if we can look at everything that God has given us as a gift to steward, and instead of acting perfect or trying to strive to be perfect or thinking that they are the worst people ever. Right. I think there's such a freedom in realizing two things. I tell us to every girl I mentor, number one, I'm not God. Number two, I'm not the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. but here's the deal. I believe in God. I have a relationship with him. I believe the Holy spirit can use me to speak to you and vice versa. Mm. So if you want to continue this mentoring, you know, (laughs) if you want to continue to like, let me into your life, you just need to know that I'm not perfect because I'm not God and I'm not the Holy spirit, but I do know both of them, you know? And I think that's so important to just remove ourselves from the mantle. Other people have placed us on as good. Yeah. And we don't want to have a puffed up spirit in that process. And I know that there are many young adults listening and they may be, you know, maybe this is ruffling some feathers. Maybe this is calling them out, calling them up in a good way. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I just want to know, Scarlett, why do you believe young adult ministry is so vital and important? Because at some point your daughters are going to be young adults, right? Mm -hmm. So is there anything that God has really been showing you maybe in your personal life, or maybe some of the things you've seen speaking and teaching and doing all that behind the scenes? Like, what is it about young adult ministry that kind of strikes you as so vital and important in this day and age? Hmm. I mean, absolutely. It's so important. Um, 
you know, I've been so humbled. Like you said, uh, you just said, if you want to be like Christ, have kids. I've been so humbled by my kids and I have learned things about God through my kids. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think about, I have an 11 year old, so she's wow. <laughs> becoming a young lady, you know? Yep. And, um, yeah, she's my oldest. And I think about, I won't go off on a long tangent, but I failed my, I was not kind to my family when I was hangry recently. <laughs> I was very hungry and angry at the same time. Anger is not really a go-to emotion for me. So I was like, where did that come from? Like, I was just not nice because I was so hungry. <laughs> um, I had my thyroid taken out in 2019. And so I have like kind of old woman energy sometimes. Um, I don't mean that in like the slang of like whatever yep. energy. I mean yep. like yep. actual energy. <laughs> the thyroid like function is exactly. always different things and <laughs> the body's trying to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. And so I needed Chipotle. It was an emergency <laughs> and I joke about it, but like I was not nice. And so I went and got Chipotle and then I came home and I was just like, God, like I should be past, like I, I should never act like that. Like I'm 36 years old. What is, you know, and I went up to my kids to apologize to them because I was like, oh, I just can't believe that even in this life stage when God has removed so many sinful patterns from my life that I would still, you know, act yeah. like a baby like that. Yep. And so I went up to apologize to my kids and I was telling them I was sorry and that I was wrong and that I should never talk to them that way. And my oldest went, mommy, it's okay. Um, you forgive. I, I do bad things all the time and you forgive me. I love you. And she just so freely gave me this grace that I knew I didn't, you know, when you just act ugly, you know, you don't deserve it. And I just thought, man, she is 11 years old and she displayed great, gave me the grace of God through her actions just then. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful reminder. Like it does not matter. Like if you are 50 and you've been a Christian for 30 years, you are not more qualified to show the love and grace of Jesus. Like my 11, my seven-year-old is able to show the love and grace of Jesus. And so I think of young adults. And like you said, this day and age, it's different. I'm in that weird, you are too, you're 35. I'm, we're in this weird zone where we like kind of remember the inner, you know, I had a, I had a cell phone when I was 15. It didn't take pictures yet. I don't think, but like, I remember life pre-technology. Um, yeah. and I was like the Facebook crowd that had to have a college email to join yes. Facebook. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And so it's like, I, it's really hard to believe that like my kids are not going to know anything different, <laughs> you know, right. um, they grew up with technology and I think it's harder probably for kids now or young adults now, because you're not just comparing yourself to the people in your life. You're comparing yourself to the whole world in the palm of your hand all the time, yeah. seeing the insides of their houses every moment, <laughs> you know? Um, I think it's just, man, I wouldn't say that I have like any different advice for that age group, but I would just encourage those of you who are younger, like you are in this generation where it is difficult to keep your eyes on Jesus because there are so many distractions. You know, you don't have to even own a phone to see, like just walk outside, look at a bill, like it's just everywhere. Um, lies from this world that will tell people that are your age that they're enough and that they can try hard enough and they can do this or that to be happy. And um, I would just encourage young adults to um, pursue the Lord and know that even though they're young, you know, God can use them to yeah. change the world. And, you know, we were made to share the good news of Jesus. Gospel means good news. And so, um, 
through words, but also actions like my 11 year old, like just freely forgiving and reminding me of the gospel. Like, look how much I've been forgiven, mom. I can forgive you. Like that is how a Christian should go about their day is saying, God, look how much you've forgiven me. Surely I can show grace to all these difficult people in my life. We are all difficult people to other people around us every day, you know? Um, So yeah, (laughs) grateful for the young adults. You guys keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Amen. I absolutely love that. And Scarlett, we've come to one of our favorite points of the time that we have with you. Josiah had to run out. The girls have an appointment and we doubled book. So that's why he just (laughs) took off and almost tripped up the stairs. If you're watching this on YouTube, (laughs) he was stumbling around. (laughs) But uh, so the last five minutes, we do five questions in five minutes. So it's one minute per question. If you can do that, are you up for the challenge? I'm up for it. Let's do it. All right. You like to have fun. I might change these around. Okay. Ooh, what's something you're into right now as a hobby for fun? Like what have you been doing for fun? Hmm. I love the ocean. I live near the ocean as an adult for the first time in my life. I lived near oceans when I was little and my family did not like the ocean. And so now I'm like, I'm a grown up. I can go whenever I want. And I live close enough to just drive on over there. Yes. I love the ocean for fun, but also I started exercising two weeks ago, two Mondays okay. ago for the first time since I had children. 12 years ago. This is so, I know That's I was good. like, man, I was like into it. And then I had kids and I just had no motivation again, thyroid out. It was like, and I was always like conserving my energy. And I finally was like, I gotta, I gotta start exercising again. So even though, I mean, like two weeks ago, literally two weeks ago, I would have been like, Oh, that doesn't sound fun. Um, no, it's, I'm having fun stepping back into moving my body <laughs> because, good. um, I've been a blob for a long time and it feels good to move. So you're ready. I used to be a personal trainer and fitness instructor, and that was, um, before children. So we had two COVID babies, 16 <laughs> oh months apart goodness. today. So wow. <laughs> we have a nine month old just yesterday and then a two-year-old. So I'm just like, I need to get back into the gym and that's mm. been on my list. And I'm like, Josiah, this summer, that is a priority to get back into the gym. Cause I know what it feels like to be moving my body and mm-hmm. to eat healthy. So I'm like Sam's club run, all the fruits, veggies, and meat are in the fridge literally last night. So I'm like, here we go. You can do it. Micah, I'm going to speak over you. Hopefully it won't be 12 years of gym absence for you. Like it was for me, 12 hours, <laughs> receive it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Question number two, what are you looking forward to in the near future? Hmm, That's a great question. Um, let's see. What am I looking forward to? I get to spend Christmas back in Tennessee. We lived there for nine years, so I'm excited. I haven't, I've been back to Tennessee for work, like really quick trips to Nashville, but Mm -hmm. I haven't been to like where we lived South of Nashville. And so I'm excited about that. That is so fun. I love that area. We have many friends during COVID. I think at least a dozen people we know moved out there. So it's wild. So we'll have to go out there. All right. Question number three, here's the curveball. If you could ask me a question today, question today, what would you ask? How do you get your skin to look so amazing? Oh my (laughs) gosh. I've had acne my whole life, to be honest with you. Um, I actually started a new regimen when I was pregnant with my second one in 20, uh, 2019, December. I was like, I'm getting my skin under control without any, um, form of medication, like in like ingesting medication, mm-hmm. but topically I actually went over to Lancer and what inspired me was, um, uh, what's her name? 
Candace Cameron Bure. I was just going to say, I've heard her talk about that. Yes. So I got the full kit and I absolutely love it. Like my skin has never looked, I've had acne since I was like in seventh grade. And I was like, Josiah, my God, I am 35 years old. Like I am over this. I am done. And then, yeah, just find some good makeup, not from Target or anything too wild or crazy. So you have the skin of a newborn baby. If you guys are listening, get on YouTube and see this beautiful skin. Oh, gosh. Well, I feel like I just had a breakout. So I got some good coverage yesterday. (laughs) It doesn't show. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Question number four. Josiah has a road trip snack, but I know you like nachos. That was even written on the back of your book. So Mm. I'm going to ask you, since you were a nacho connoisseur, where is the best place to get a plate of nachos? Okay. Well, here's what I'll tell you. I've kind of transitioned to tacos since that was printed on the back of a book to be honest, but not really. Okay. I'll tell you this. My favorite nacho-esque thing, pretty much my favorite meal to have that I have as often as I can is at Chipotle and it's a burrito bowl with chips. So it's basically nachos. Um, I don't love meat, which is just, it's, I just don't love it. And I finally reached a point where I'm like, I don't have to, I can, I don't have to put meat on it. I would live by the ocean. You don't have to eat meat either. (laughs) I don't have to. It's like, I I would always put meat on my burrito bowl thinking, oh, I'm supposed to have chicken. And then I would pick around it. I'm like, I'm going to stop putting chicken. So my, my, here's my favorite. It's white rice, black beans, fajita veggies, guacamole, queso, extra lettuce, mild uh, salsa, little bit of sour cream and a bag of chips. Oh my goodness. That is my favorite food in the world from Chipotle. My favorite tacos right now. Um, well, there's lots of good tacos in California. Um, but yeah, never mind. I won't give that one. Cause it's not a chain. <laughs> okay. Well, if we ever come in the area, we'll be looking yes. at all the, Chipotle the is widespread. I love, the, I love the hole in the wall places. Those are so mm, fun. Yes. All right. So the last and final question we have with Scarlett today, if you could leave the listener with one piece of encouragement today, what would you tell them? I would say open your Bibles as the gift that it is, um, not to finish your reading plan. Like you better do this, but to just say, God, thank you so much for your word. What do you have in here for me today? Um, that is what has changed my life. And so that's, that's the only advice I got. The advice in there is way better than any advice I can give. Amen. And we can even look at the people like you referred to earlier who have, we're all failures essentially, Mm -hmm. but we get to serve an amazing God. And the story that we get to live, um, you know, to start, it could be told somewhere down the line. So leaving that legacy through the word of God and leaning into his word, because that's where we find our, you know, identity. That's where we find truth. That's where we find direction. Um, through prayer, we can draw close to him through worship. We can, you know, see what happens because it's uh, an exchange with our heart and our emotions and everything like that. So get into the word of God. It's a great challenge um, for any and all of us that we should be doing every single day. And we need to be reminded and told that sometimes, right? So Scarlett, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Good. I hope you had some fun and we had a great conversation today. And if you, the listener, wanted to know more about Scarlett, you can connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as across all the other social media platforms at youngadults.today. And if you want to pick up her book, guess what? It's available. You're the worst person in the world. That's her most recent one. And if this one doesn't strike your fancy, go back and read some of the other ones first. So it's completely up to you, but you as a listener, be blessed today. And thank you so much. This is Micah and Josiah signing off.
thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.